Hell is a teenage girl. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in from Los Angeles, California. This is the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's go! It's the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 21. A monster-sized hello to all the amazing people we met at Midsummer Scream in Long Beach. Thanks so much for checking out the show. And on behalf of myself and the entire Boo Crew, we welcome you to the family. One Eye Open Productions, Madam Leatherface, Candace for being so sweet and bringing donuts, the local boogeyman for being boogeyman, Sarah from Sugarman Gallery, Sorayo, Sario, Vanessa Decker. It's time for the Spook Show Party. You know it's power. I have no mind left, no will. Our guest this episode, Oscar-winning writer, Diablo Cody. This was so amazing. Her 2009 film Jennifer's Body is a masterpiece. If you're a fan or have yet to discover this movie, this conversation is for you and is a story you never got to hear when the film came out. Learn about the idea for a Jennifer's Body TV series. We discuss Diablo's passion for the horror genre. We talk 80s horror. Her musical, Juno, Tully. We can't tell you how happy we are to bring this chat your way. She's amazing. We love her so much. First up on the chopping block, we wrap our jaws around the prehistoric shark with Teeth, a fishy fantasy we like to call the Meg. <laughs> this is Diablo Cody. You are getting spooky with the Boo Crew. I am going to eat your soul and shit it out with The Boo Crew, the freshest cuts of new stuff. Here's Sweet Screams. It was the largest shark that ever existed. Fossil. Thought to have been extinct for over two million years. Oh my god. It's Megalodon. He's kidding, right? We all went and saw The Meg, a movie based on a book from 1997 by Steve Alton. Disney bought the rights to the book in the 90s, but after developmental issues, Warner Brothers took it over, started filming in New Zealand in 2016, where it became a Chinese and American film released August 10th, 2018, starring Jason Statham with a megala budget of about $178 million, which is insane. That's some expensive computers. (laughs) Can you imagine that 1990s Disney version of this movie? Oh my gosh. That would have been cute. Yeah, that would have been cute. <laughs> would have been adorable shark. Like, what's this movie about? Who wants to do a synopsis? Who can put this together? It's and... about being a hero. It really is. I over mean, and over and over aggressively. Again. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's about. Okay, I'll attempt. <laughs> so it's really like five movies. Like, there's a point in this movie. I'll get to the synopsis. Where I was like, wow, that movie like went by really quick. And I looked at my watches, only an hour had gone by. And it felt like there was a whole movie already. And then there's a whole second movie, which I enjoyed. I enjoyed this movie, and we'll get back to that. The uh, synopsis of this movie, so basically, there's this billionaire out in the middle of the ocean, international waters. He has paid for a team to explore the deep ocean. And without getting into the science of it, the deep ocean uncovers a shark like man has never seen before. A prehistoric shark or prehistoric fish. Both terms are used many times throughout the course of this film. <laughs> yes, it is. Both in awe and in horror. <laughs> <laughs> so they um, seemingly accidentally release this shark and it causes havoc 
But first, we bring in Jason Statham, who brilliantly plays the only man on Earth who can do the one thing and rescue these uh, <laughs> the team that gets trapped down in the deep ocean, 11,000 feet below sea level. And he goes down and that's sort of where he meets the shark, which he had, the shark that he had met before, but no one believed him. This is very rambly, but... So's the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like the hero. He's like the, he's the Errol Flynn. He's the archetypal Hollywood hero. The man, the only man on earth who can do this one thing and continues to be the only man uh, who can uh, save everyone against this uh, incredible shark. It's my spoiler free summation. <laughs> I've never seen a Jason Statham movie before. Are you kidding? This is my first one. Oh, dude, you gotta oh. watch Crank. He's done like a billion movies. No, I've avoided. Well, you know, Where I typically you avoid. I typically avoid the kind of movies that he's. Do in. You watch movies? I watch horror movies. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't. As far as I know, is this the first horror movie or monster movie? Possibly. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, this is my 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 first exposure to him. Kind of reminded me of Bruce Willis and like a Die Hard. He, yeah, yeah, every word he was is very that. serious. Yeah. And also yeah. bald. Yeah. 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 He, he's super serious. Yeah. And every line is leads to a crash edit into action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's time to rescue the man. <laughs> no, he's fantastic. I enjoyed this movie. I want to see more. To me, it felt like the land that time forgot. Like totally. there yeah. was this prehistoric situation happening, right? So you had this giant prehistoric shark, a giant prehistoric squid, which was fantastic. And it was on screen a little too short for me. And I wanted to see a giant prehistoric crab. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see a giant prehistoric jellyfish yeah. yeah or maybe a giant sea urchin <laughs> Ooh, what about a seahorse a seahorse giant oh, seahorse yes. sea with Jason Statham riding yes. oh, my oh my god right. but that's exactly that, that movie but, but that kind of situation I would totally love to see a sequel yeah and I would love to see that world explored way way more as a fan of monsters right I give this movie a strong 80 which is a thumbs up because I want to see more of that world man I would have been happy if they just hung out down there and just messed around with a bunch of monsters more. Totally. Well yeah. said. Yeah. Rot, rot Tim Tomatoes has spoken. <laughs> rot Tim Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. there's one point in this movie where it felt like King Kong yeah. when, right. you know. Yeah. yeah, when he's battling the dinosaurs. Yeah, explorers go to a place and they discover this massive creature that has heretofore been unknown to humankind for thousands of years. In King Kong, it's a giant ape battling a dinosaur. Mm. In this case, it would have been great to see the uh, that fight between the giant squid and the giant shark. Like, yeah. like a five minute fight you know i would enjoy that situation sequel yes. sequel yeah we'll see how it does this weekend to see if it i mean 178 million it's got <sighs> i really love the cast it was a very diverse cast fantastic crew movie felt had a, a vibe of that too i love the little girl yeah she, she was, was like the best part she was such a good little actress yeah. and she was just adorable and that girl ruby rose the girl with all the tattoos right. She's great. Yeah, 109 tattoos. Those are her real tattoos. By no the way. way. Yeah, she's in Orange is the New Black. And she's going to be playing Batwoman on the CW's oh, really? Batwoman series. Oh, cool. Yeah, she was great. I heard she almost drowned on set. What happened? I'm guessing it was the water. I, I'm assuming. <laughs> Something to do with water. <laughs> or the squid. I'm not sure. Either one. I think she gets knocked in the water like two or three times. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. She does. Yeah. yeah. Jason Statham can swim. He was actually a member of Britain's National Swimming Squad oh, and wow. competed yeah. in the uh, 1990 yeah, Commonwealth I Games. That. Yeah. I, I uh, wow. checked out his dive 
and it was sufficient. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Very like, talented diver. Legit. A few nods to Jaws. One in particular, when Meg bit the piece of the glass, right, and they saw the fang marks, and it was smaller than they expected. It wasn't the main Meg. That's kind of, remember when Richard Dreyfus was checking out the shark? And That's right. right. He was like, this is not the one. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's a little bit of that, but not too much. I thought it had its own little vibe going, you know. Yeah. It was cool. I want to see more. I want to see a sequel. To me, it felt like Jaws homages. Just mm-hmm. a nod, like he said, like it's a nod. You know, I saw some some stuff online where people were saying it was ripping off Jaws. This was nothing like Jaws. Yeah. It wasn't even trying to be Jaws. So, but if you make a shark movie, it's good to acknowledge Jaws, I think. Yeah. I think you're right. I think there's a couple and, little And I give Jaws nice. like a high 90. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like 100. Right. The movie took itself very seriously. All the lines were delivered pretty seriously with the exception of Rain Wilson's character who added that comic relief. To me, that felt actually a little out of place because everyone else is so like, yeah, I'm going to get the shark. You know, very serious, <laughs> right? I was missing some of that campy gore that I thought there was opportunities to take advantage of, like, like the beach scene. I was looking forward to things going batshit crazy, limbs yeah. flying all over the place, and they never went there. It stayed, you know, in that PG-13 vibe. I was disappointed by that. I've seen some better shark movies lately, like 47 Meters Down sure, and yeah. The Shallows. Obviously, it's different. It's like more of a monster movie. But yeah, yeah to more, Tim's more, point, it could have gone monster, further. It's more of a monster movie than an actual shark movie. Right. And it could have been more of a monster movie. Yes. I yeah. agree there. Maybe those other movies can be maybe more of a dramatic, darker tone. Whereas this maybe is a little more, maybe it's like a B film, you know, mm. like it's a popcorn film. That's the vibe more. Exactly. And it's not a Sharknado film. Right, right. right. No, no, it's no, like no. goofy. And yeah. Austin brought up earlier when we were coming over, it, was, it had a very pulp vibe to it. Yeah, very mm. pulpy. Very pulpy, yeah. Not not to be, ta- although the actors are, you know, the tone is kind of serious, but the movie's not serious. It's not right. for us to take it seriously. Right. Because it's, come on, it's a giant fucking shark. <laughs> you know, the movie's called I Meg. Mean, yeah. <laughs> Jason on. Statham, like uh, the whole movie I just wanted, I was waiting for Jason Statham to punch out the shark. Right. And it felt like I was going to get <laughs> he that. He kind of did. And he, he kind of does. <laughs> and, uh, you know. He chased it. Yeah. yeah. There was a chase scene. With the show, like it's got all the elements. I call movies like this Hollywood as genre, where the genre isn't necessarily horror. It isn't necessarily monster. You know, has elements of this. But Hollywood is the genre where it has just a very standard formula. You know what's going to happen. It's really just about how it's going to get there. I mean, if you like Jason Statham now. I was going to say, do you like him now? Are you going to introduce seeing him? I recommend The Spy. Not horrible. I, I don't hate him. I, I am interested in that that one you were talking about, Crank. Oh, Crank. Yeah, Crank, Crank is I've heard the premise really you were talking about last yeah. night. I was like, that sounds crazy. Like he's yeah. got to, what, he's got to keep himself alive by keeping his adrenaline up. He's going to do crazy shit. Right. Yeah. That's pretty fucking yeah. funny. Yeah. That's, it was crazy. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it's a series of brilliant set pieces. How many, there's a couple of in the series, right? Two. Yeah. Wow. He also did the, he remade The Mechanic. The Mechanics Old 70s movie okay. starring uh, Jan Michael Vincent and Charlie Bronson. Uh, he's also in Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. I haven't seen yeah, any. Starting in, yeah. starting in Seven. Yeah, he's great. Okay. And then he's going to do the spinoff series with him and The Rock because his character in Seven was a super bad guy. He was the brother of Owen Shaw, who was the bad guy in Six. He becomes the bad guy in Seven and he kills one of the main characters in this incredible time loop of uh, one of the main characters who dies in Three. Turns out he was killed in Seven. 
because the Fast and Furious movies are of this time loop. Right? Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, not unlike the original Planet of the Apes series. But <laughs> maybe that's for another podcast. But then he becomes friends in eight. He becomes friends with Hobbs and he joins the gang. And no one talks about the fact that he fucking killed a member of their gang who had been with them <laughs> right. forever. Hashtag justice for Han. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so him and The Rock are having a spinoff series and Vin Diesel's pissed. Really? Yeah, yep. apparently at the end of eight, the post credit sequence are going to have a sequence that teased the spinoff movie and Vin Diesel got wind of it and had them pull it from all the prints. Wow. Yeah. Shit. Him and The Rock don't get along. Interesting facts about the make. They spent a year developing the design of the shark. Wow. wow. And sometime during filming, there was as many as 16 boats capturing the action. They ended up drawing the shark on a, the side of a bunch of shipping containers for the cast so they could see, envision how oh, big right. the thing. Oh, wow. So it's oh, like a 75 cool. foot long shark. And I, that's how long these sharks were. They were the size of two T-Rexes oh my God. and three great white sharks wow. put together. Crazy. Biggest animal that ever existed like wow. 2.5 million years ago. Wow. That's crazy. I had different expectations. Like mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be completely different based on all the poster art. I thought it was going to be like campy and fun and not such a serious tone. Right. And it was a little long for me. It was like was two it, or three movies. How long was it? Two hours. There's one scene that stood out for me was the scene where the little girl is uh, controlling her ball. She's chasing the ball with her mm-hmm. iPad. Yeah. Sea monsters, sea creatures, like those things scare me. Things in the ocean that you can't see. You pull these fish out that, you know, have 50,000 teeth and Dude, shit. They look all fucked up. Yeah, I've seen that. Like, that's like nightmare stuff. I think I sent you that yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah. Trevor sent me these photos at four in the morning. Oh, my God. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, they, they are fucking monsters yeah, down yeah. there. Yeah. So I figured, you know, can this thing exist? Why not, right? It can exist. Yeah, it did. I mean, it, it did. It right? fucking I mean, did. You know? Yeah. Now, that scene where that girl's controlling the ball and then. She just stops and looks up. I mean, I can envision myself being there, just fucking pissing my pants. Just, I would just stop and just collapse. <laughs> Pure fear. Yeah. Seeing yeah. this fucking thing, huge teeth coming at you and just taking a bite out of the glass. Were you scared at any point in the, in the movie? That's the scene. See, that's, I got scared like two times. But did you jump? Two times I did jump. Yeah. If they would have gone that route a little bit more with more uh, setup for that, you know, right. the, tension. The, the tension, man, I, I would probably just loved this movie. I would be yeah. like, this would have been great. And is that a situation of them keeping that PG-13, do you think? I think that's part, probably part of it. Also, the Hollywood genre can be a lot of just telling you everything that's happening. Like, if they just took out, there's information you didn't need. And if they let the movie get ahead of the audience a little bit, I think it would have been way more engaging. That was the moment. I'm with you. That that was my favorite scene, yeah, too. Yeah, that, too. That was creepy. Yeah. You, you, it felt like something was going to happen. You didn't know what it was. And it was fucking scary. Yeah. That and the only blood we see is fish blood. That's I was going to say yeah. that. Yeah. Again, I thought I was going to see a lot more of that, but that it was only PG-13. fish guts. Yeah. PG-13, yeah. yeah. If this was R, you know, they could have done a lot more. Oh, yeah. They had a lot more fun with it. Oh, yeah. That would have been amazing. <laughs> but PG-13, you could still have more monsters. Yeah, I still yes. wanted to see Jason Statham riding a seahorse. <laughs> <laughs> only in my dreams. <laughs> so I guess Eli Roth was attached as the director before... And he was replaced with John Turtletob. Eli Roth left due to creative differences with the studio. And 
I guess it was because he wanted the film to maintain both its R rating and a hundred and fifty million budget, but you're saying it was more than that, right? It yeah, went over. So he went to like one seventy eight. And then it was also rumored on top of writing and directing, also wanted to play the lead role of Jonas. No but way. Yet. Eli Roth and the Jason Statham? Yes. Wow. But the studio believed that he didn't have the star power. Well, let's face it. He's no Jason Statham. You <laughs> <laughs> can't unsee Jason yeah. Statham. Yeah. Would they still have that scene in the when he gets out of the shower scene? Yeah. That's Eli Roth. <laughs> Did he write that scene in his version of this? It's just not the same. It's, you know, it's not the same. But I do appreciate his want of R, of an R rating. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could have used that. Yeah, that would have been interesting if Eli Roth directed it, actually. (laughs) For $150 million. Starring Jason. I can see like a $30 million version of him because it would have had that would have been very tongue in cheek and he would have had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, he would have done good. You know, Green Inferno with sharks. (laughs) (laughs) He would have maybe done the monster stuff really well, too. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think he would have got the monster thing. Should we each assign a number? Yes. All right. What's your Rotten Tomato number? <laughs> Dude, I, I'm with him, man. Exactly 80. 80? Yeah, because it's walking a fine line, but I'm going to say, you know what? Go to the theater, spend the money, buy some popcorn, turn off your mind, turn off the TV, the news, all the negative stuff in your life. Go watch this movie, be entertained, like it, love it, hate it, doesn't matter. You know what? I got to admit, okay, last night I was shitting on the movie a little bit after I saw it. A little bit? A lot of it. <laughs> but... In context of what you're saying, I can't say it sucks. I can't say it sucks. I also can't say it's a rental on Netflix because you got to see this huge thing. I would also say we didn't see it in 3D. If I saw it in 3D, my number would be higher because I Mm. bet some of those underwater shots look fantastic in 3D. And some of the, you know, the the scene you're talking about with the thing approaching the underwater base and sticking his mouth out, that probably looked great in 3D. I could definitely see an 82 in 3D. So you didn't see it? I'm going to say 80 because I know that's the cutoff with seeing it at home, right? So you have to see it in the theater if you're going to give it a chance. You really do. It's a big monster movie. You got to see it in the theater to do it justice. Yeah. You have to. 82 if you see it in 3D, maybe even 85. I don't know. I fucking love 3D. I could see anything in 3D. I could see Juno, I could see Juno in 3D. Oh, I'd love to see Juno. <laughs> that belly would really pop. <laughs> What's your number? Oh, me. Okay. I get, you know, you got to see it in the theater because you want to see this big ass shark. But do you really have to see it? I don't <laughs> like I'm kind of sad we didn't see Slender Man. So my number is probably like 75. All right. Fair enough. Austin, Rachel. I liked it because I had very low expectations and I thought that helped. I also wanted to see Slender Man though. Yeah. Now that you brought that up, let's go see it. Yeah, take, taking see points. Yeah, that's, that's, that's sorry, comparing. Sorry, guys. We can still go see it. But no, I walked out of the theater with an 82 in 2D. I think you're right. I think 3D. I think there's some great sequences that would look really cool in 3D. That would be a different number. But my experience in the theater was an 82. Yeah, same experience. We had a lot of laughs. Like the theater was laughing a lot. 
Jason Statham. He just did it. <laughs> he just rocked it. <laughs> Big shark and Jason Statham. And the dog was super cute. Yeah, right? I thought, of you. So I thought of you when yeah. I saw the dog. I was like, oh my gosh, I want the doggy. Lauren, I'm surprised your number wasn't a little higher because you were sitting beside Bill Mosley. <laughs> And Scout, yeah. who yes. were commentating yes. the entire movie, yeah. which was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like maybe it would have been a 60 if it wasn't for that. Right, right. So, Go see yes. it with Scout, with Compton, Scout and Bill, Bill Mosley. Oh my gosh. I was laughing so hard. Oh my gosh. I want to take them to every movie. Oh man. It well, was, Bill was riffing on the science about the movie, too. Yeah, right? yeah. funny. Yeah. He's it's like, so no, funny. that's not accurate. <laughs> yeah, science, and I was like, I believe you. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really you know. Yeah, we had a big crew there, huh? It was a Meg, a Meg group. <laughs> 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 so do it. Get together with your 14 closest friends and <laughs> go see the Meg. Make it some mega dollars. Why don't you just put a tracker on it? Did you guys ever watch Shark Week? The Foo Crew Podcast. Jennifer's evil. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil. Not high school evil. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio is an Oscar award-winning screenwriter and producer, author, and journalist. After releasing her much-loved memoir, Candy Girl, and through the success of her blog, she was encouraged by her manager to write her first screenplay. It ended up being 2007's coming-of-age film, Juno, and won her an Academy Award. She followed that up with the horror film Jennifer's Body and a ton of other projects like the acclaimed TV series United States of Terra, the movie's Young Adult with Charlize Theron, Ricky and the Flash with Meryl Streep, and most recently reuniting with Charlize in Tully on VOD, DVD, and Blu-ray now. Her subversive approach and voice has truly reinvigorated cinema and has not only become one of the most important voices, but has changed the trajectory. And of course, she is a massive horror fanatic. We are honored to welcome Diablo fucking Cody. <laughs> nice introduction. I don't think it, all right. I won't disagree with anything you said. But Thundercats are go. <laughs> so the general public might not know it, but your love and support of the horror genre runs so deep. What is the transformative horror experience that you had that brought you into the genre? So I was raised super, super Catholic. And in a weird way, I think that like almost primes you to be a horror fan because you're surrounded by all this weird kind of creepy like blood iconography growing up and you're going to mass every day. And by the way, like I'm like not dissing it in the least. I'm just saying I did kind of like grow up in that atmosphere and I was always drawn to the macabre and the ornate, which is why I love the studio. (laughs) It feels like a church but I for me I have to say like and this is probably like a corny and cliched answer but the Nightmare on Elm Street films were really important to me as a kid I was obsessed with Freddy Krueger the way like a young girl these days might be obsessed with like Shawn Mendes like it was not that I was scared of him it was that I was obsessed with him I thought he was hilarious I thought he was like Sexy. <laughs> and I just, yeah, I was like, I was so into it. I saved up all my money to buy a Freddy Krueger t-shirt at the local video store. And like, that was my thing. Wow. Which one did you see first? I probably saw them in chronological order, but the one that got me really hooked was number three. Yeah. Which is Dream, so amazing. Yeah, Dream Warriors. And which I, I had the pleasure of screening at the New Beverly. I was going to say a few years ago. It's probably been a decade now. That movie is just to this day, it blows my mind. It's so creative and so fun up and I watched that one over and over again. It's fun too. Yeah, yeah. it's a really good soundtrack. 
of the, the score. Yeah. Docking. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Did you become a big Dawkins fan, too? I think. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Didn't we all? That was cool. <laughs> and that's the one that gives all the good backstory. Before the backstory gets silly. Yeah, yeah. and it did. It it got did. Let's be real. Silly. I mean, but... that was a little silly. But there's logic to it. Because the first one, there's no backstory. He just exists and is terrifying. There's like, is. maybe like five minutes of backstory at the very end. And he's, he's also not like the real Freddy yet. Right. Like he's, he's like, like a, an embryonic Freddy yeah. who's very, <laughs> who's very <laughs> right. scary. But then like the real Freddy we know with the bone mows came later. <laughs> so I was really into that. And it was fun. I mean, all the kids had superpowers basically. And there was a punk rocker and the yeah. wizard on the wheelchair and everything. And it was that was actually the first time I actually sat down and watched a horror movie. I remember my dad had rented it and we've, I think I've talked about it before. Yeah. My dad had rented it and left it in the VCR and he said, I don't know, Trevor, I don't know if you should watch it. And I'm like, dad, I think I'm going to, so I skipped school and watched it. And like that movie replayed in my brain for like a week after. It yeah. really affected, Lauren still can't deal with Freddy. That, um, she loves horror films, but. I'm terrified of him. Of Freddy? Yes. <laughs> still till this day, Aww. I'm so scared. I watched it when I was like seven and I didn't see the whole thing and for some reason I just thought it was real because you're so vulnerable when you're asleep like it's just a scary space sometimes and the fact that's why it's a brilliant concept yeah. 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 yeah, and allegedly it was based on like some real thing that happened in Thailand, but I've never been able to find any evidence of that. I wonder why, <laughs> like because it didn't happen. But growing up, I had heard that and I believed it. Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> Kids were killed in their sleep by a boogeyman in Thailand. It happened. Yeah. So, have you met Robert England? Oh. Yes, I have. And how did that go? I, you know, obviously I have like a whole series of photos of myself like clinging to him and weeping. Um, and uh, he was amazing and, you know, delivered everything I wanted. All the, all the stories that I wanted out of him I got. And uh, yeah, I just, um, I have his book. I mean, I'm a nerd, but yeah, he's outstanding. Yeah, he's yeah. iconic. Did you see the remake? Yeah. And? You know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> like whenever as a as a person who you know works in film, anytime I see a movie that I wish I had had a hand in, right. I just get this weird, bitter, jealous feeling. Yeah, like oh, I would have. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So besides Elm Street, you probably watched a lot of amazing '80s horror. So yeah. what are some other ones that you really love? Well, I hit on that a little bit. I feel stupid bringing this up, but like you know, I wrote this movie Juno, and in the movie, the the main character is like a horror fan and she talks yeah. about Herschel Gordon-Lewis and like Suspiria and like all that stuff because it was like I'm 40 I grew up in the 80s it was video store culture mm-hmm. yes. so we would go on the weekend wander into the scary part of the video right, store right. and it would be like critters like or whatever you know box looked super fucked up right. <laughs> it would be we like the one that. Yeah. right night oh that looks scary like you right. would just gravitate to it I will say the movie that scared me the most again this is like not the most original selection but The Exorcist really did a number on me that was the one where I couldn't sleep with the lights off. How old were you when you first watched that movie? Too young. See, that's, like, my, that's my problem. I, yeah. I saw it when I was like, I don't know, nine, ten, maybe. Like not appropriate. No, no. Yeah, and I grew up Catholic too. And that's one movie I can't watch alone, dude. To, to this no, day, I, I, I can't. Can watch yeah, horror movies yeah. alone. But that one, that freaks me out. Why do you think it's so scary? Because I've tried to figure this out. Like I know it's not real. I know how they did the things. I've watched the documentaries. Right. I've read about it. Like and yet when I watch it, I'm fully convinced. Yeah. Every yeah. time. It's the sound, too. Audio. Yeah. It's the lack yeah. of a soundtrack. Yeah. And you only get that tubular bells, tubular bells a few <laughs> times no, here and there, you know? That's one of them. 
but it's also the light, the lighting, the you know the creaky, the the, the shadows, and the, you know the way you walk through your own house and you're looking at the same shadow you, see, you saw in the movie. And you're the like, shadows, yes. Yikes! Mercedes yeah, McCambridge. Oh yes. A staircase shadow with a light. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful film, but it scared me. And Exorcist 3, best jump scare of all time. Oh, yes. yeah. But Exorcist <laughs> 2, we won't talk about. <laughs> did you watch the TV series? When was that? Just the last couple years. I feel really stupid. No, I did not, clearly. It's worth checking out. Really? Yeah. Okay. In fact, they even pay homage to that jump scare in part three. Oh, well, then I'm definitely going to watch, watch it. Yeah, yeah, okay, great. the right people are clearly in charge. Well, the cool thing that was happening, too, is they were getting other guest directors to direct and write episodes, right? Or just direct? Yeah, no, they had Ty West directing. Yeah, Ty West did what? Now Diablo Cody doing an exercise. Oh, I can't direct. You do not want that. It'd be a bunch of people sitting around talking. (laughs) Nothing scary happens. That sounds good. You should, I would like to see that. Like my dinner with Andre. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yes, that's exactly what it would be. My dinner with the exorcist. (laughs) I think what makes the exorcist terrifying, and I have a hard time watching any possession movies because I feel like there's a seed of truth in there somewhere. Like I'm not convinced it's not possible, right? Demonic possession I mean, and all that stuff. you always, again, like the Thailand story, you always right. hear like, the exorcist is based on real events that happened in Oklahoma right. in 1948 and then there's no way to know if that's actually true or not, but you're like, it could have been. Yeah. I definitely believe, I don't know if, like, how everybody here feels about the actual paranormal. I definitely am a sucker and believe in all of it. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, we had an exorcist in here and she was amazing. Yeah. R.H. Davis and she told us so many stories about demons and no. She- yeah, yes. she does exorcisms yep. in her back house. Yeah, and she's like, she looks like a in like a like a rock and roll in the valley. Yeah. <laughs> she looks like a rock and roll chick. And we were like asking her about like protection. How do you protect yourself? She rolled up her sleeves and she was tattooed head to toe with the seals of Solomon on both arms. Oh my and god! Yeah, it was intense, man. It was really. Intense. I had to look that up. I mean, those seals are it's a real deal. This is serious stuff. Like you don't just get those tattoos. Those yeah. go back to the biblical days of like King Herod and stuff, like before Christ took control demons to summon demons yeah. i mean it's just crazy that she got permission yeah that's what she said she had to ask the so entity's she can permission. protect herself i'm so sorry i'm such a lame guest <laughs> i got a fucking gingerbread man i do not have the seals of solomon on my arms i'm sorry like that's to protect you from gingerbread yeah exactly. it is, yeah I, I need protection from gingerbread at this point in my life that's terrifying it's the same reason i am blanking on the names of the people that the conjuring series are, are the Warrens. The Warrens. The Warrens. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that scares the crap out of me. Yeah. Like, I would not want to go to their little museum and see their little Annabelle or anything. You can go eat dinner with them now, isn't it? The what? wife is still alive, right? Yes. Lorraine Warren. Yeah. And I think her son-in-law, Tony Sparrow, they do these, like, dinner deals, you oh, know? Man. And oh, man. If you catch at the right time, they give these talks and tours, and you can go spend time with Annabelle and at a cult museum. <laughs> spend time with Annabelle. <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Take her to the park. Push her on the swing. They said someone taunted Annabelle once and immediately got in a motorcycle, like a yes. fatal yeah. motorcycle oh, yeah. crash, yeah. leaving. Oh, yeah. It. Oh, yeah, that's scary. I know. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. Well, I want to spend some time on this next topic because it's got to be in a lot of our top five horror films of all time. And literally, not to kiss your ass or anything, but Jennifer's body oh, it was yes. fucking fantastic. Oh, Thank gosh. you very much. I, I'm, it means a lot to me to hear that because the movie, you know, flopped and kind of got shit on at the time so it's a relief <laughs> which is correct like I think there's two schools I'm convinced there's a school of people who think it's a masterpiece and then there's a school of people who just didn't get it at all yep yeah, I, yeah. which is by the way 
Fair. It's not for everybody. And it's certainly at the time that Karin Kusama, who's a genius, at the mm-hmm. time that we were making the movie, we knew it wasn't going to be like a massive blockbuster success. Like we knew it was a specific kind of film that was going to have a specific kind of audience. But I think, you know, Fox was hoping the movie would make some money. <laughs> so they were a little pissed off about that. But Well, tell us a little bit about writing this story and coming up with the idea for it. After I had written Juno and the movie was sort of, uh, I think at the time, I'm trying to remember what the timeline was. The point is, I had been told that, like, basically, you can do whatever you want for your next project because that's, you know, the carte blanche that they give you when you write a hit movie. So I was like, obviously, I'm going to write a horror movie. No question about it. This is probably what I've always wanted to do. And um, it was just a dream. And I knew that I wanted it to, like, play into the idea of adolescence and, like, female hunger, female friendship. Always been kind of in the cannibals. Uh, and so I thought like I was like this is definitely what I'm going to do I'm going to do a girl that eats boys and and needs boys and needs male attention to feed because it seemed like an interesting metaphor and honestly is even more interesting to me now that people are like on social media just thirsty all day long I started writing it uh, independently I wrote it on spec you know I didn't take it out and pitch it anywhere I didn't go and sell the idea to a studio I just sat and wrote it myself and then I went out with the script and um, Karin um, was we had talked to a bunch of directors and I remember meeting her and I remember she and I were specifically talking about the movie Carrie which we both love so much and we were really getting down to the nitty gritty like I love that score from that movie I even just love the way the blood specifically looks in that movie I love everything about it and so we were like we were both so into Carrie and so clearly Carrie geeks that I was like we're gonna get along and sure enough we did and still do the movie was kind of fast-tracked because Jason Reitman who was a producer had directed Juno and he and I were both coming off of that movie and so it was playtime we just got to go to Canada and like make a horror movie with very little interference until the first cut was turned in and then suddenly they were panicking they specifically <laughs> said i got on the phone with this dude i want to say his name i hate him oh, so he's, still in, <laughs> he's <laughs> still in charge he, he he said uh this is a movie for teenage boys who think megan fox is hot that's who it's for you guys didn't pander to that audience you know that's and, and we said well we kind of did like you know like she's in it you know what i mean like it wasn't like you know but that wasn't what they had in mind and they said you know we want you to go back and do some reshoots that will appeal to that audience so that's why there's like a random shower scene (laughs) with like a random naked girl because megan fox wasn't going to do that no no offense to the girl she's not random she's a human being it was her her inclusion in the film was random i was already realizing i was like oh man this movie's gonna tank because they're gonna market it all wrong they don't understand who it's for there was also like am i babbling no, oh, no, no. there was also okay there was also this like building backlash against megan fox at the time because she had just done the transformers movie and she had done some like really amazing like super candid scathing interviews about michael bay i remember that <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. That's and right. everyone's attitude instead of being like isn't it amazing that someone's talking honestly about a work experience instead of spouting the usual bullshit about it, it was the greatest experience ever i right. learned so much like she was just like michael bay's crazy i felt totally objectified and the movies are stupid <laughs> and, like, like people got so mad and were like how dare this bitch like this entitled brat have an opinion about an experience that she had it was just like everything just went haywire and it was bad timing and the movie just did not open am i mistaken or was there some kind of controversy with jennifer's body there was a scene either was it girl on girl sex or makeup (laughs) or something or i don't know 
if there's a controversy. I, uh, I it, was, it was in the media. I remember that much. Well, yeah. I mean, Megan Fox makes out with Amanda Seyfried in the movie, which is like amazing. Like, I want to see that. I don't know. Like, that's why I wrote it. But I, that's the nice thing it. about being female is like you can just write very exploitive stuff that you want to see. And everyone's like, oh, how artistic. Um, but, so I take it you went to set that day. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it was. Uh, yeah, I think I'll tell you this much. Like. Needy is madly in love with Jennifer in that movie. Like, there's no right. question about it. It's not subtext. Like, she's gay. And, you know, I think maybe people didn't fully understand that, even though they made out. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. What I loved about that movie, too, is that, I mean, it's a very s- sexual movie. Mm-hmm. But it's like kind of got an awkward but realistic sexuality to it instead of like a stereotypical glossed over sexuality, which maybe is what the studios were hoping for. I don't know. Maybe. Like yeah. the love scene between Needy and her boyfriend <laughs> yeah. it was like, it's awkward, but it was real, right? It I felt love, real. That's one of my favorite things. I'm so sorry. Now I'm kissing my own ass. But it, makes, <laughs> it makes me laugh so hard. Johnny Simmons in that scene where he's having sex with Amanda Seyfried and she starts screaming because she's like in this horrible situation and he's like, What's wrong? Am I hurting you? Is it too big? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it kills me. There's like some, uh, good scary scenes too, like when Jennifer shows up at the house and yes. she goes in the refrigerator. Yeah. And that's yeah. uh, her voice and her behavior. It's like, that was... Scary. Thank you. I think you know horror movie stuff. The scares are harder to accomplish, I think, than anything. I have such tremendous respect for people that can write a good scare because it's a lot harder than comedy, in my experience. It's the hardest thing in the world, I think. The way that scene was written too, in context, we see that scene before we know what happened to her in the van with the guys. Right. right? The tar, you know, yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah, it's intense. Yeah, Yeah. but like comedy and horror, they both have responses. We respond to them. We either scream or we laugh. So the uncontrollable, they're similar, right? That's it's like, that's why those are my two favorite things to write. Getting a reaction out of an audience, it's like, I guess it's a cheap trick, but it's the best thing ever. Yeah, like we saw Meg mm-hmm. shark movie last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple scenes, man, that I scream. I, I, I want to see that. And I'm like, I go, ah! <laughs> 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 Great feeling. I know. Have that happen to you, you know? I love being scared in a theater. That's the best. Yeah. 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 You're like surrounded by people. What and, was the last time you were scared in a the theater? This is embarrassing because it's like, <laughs> I was very, very, very excited for the new It movie. Oh, I, yeah. The new It movie. I don't know what to call it. It. <laughs> I was excited for It because I had seen the, I had like worn out the two VHS of the miniseries. Oh my God. God. A, in junior high or <laughs> That whatever. was an event when that was on. My it God. sure was. And I just showed it to my eight-year-old, which is maybe inappropriate. Oh, wow. He loved it. <laughs> he loved it. No fear. Wow. Like, yeah. Loves so clowns. He saw, the, he saw the 90s one. Love Does it him. still stand up? I haven't seen it in so, I mean, since it aired. It's hard for me to say because I have such an emotional connect. Like, to me, I was like, this is still so scary. Yeah. Just like when I watch Poltergeist, I'm still scared because that was like early. It imprinted on me at a young age. Whereas right. like, he was like, mom, this is really goofy. <laughs> there were moments I noticed he was freaked but out. When I but I was eight, I was watching horror movies. I yeah, so was I. But I was like <laughs> unattended. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool parents. But I was, I was, yeah, I was in the theater. I was watching it. And I remember I was like a little bit of a pussy at certain points because of all the teeth. 
Yeah. Like I teeth are my thing. And like when the, the teeth on the painting came out and I, I was like, stop, I can't do this. And my husband's <laughs> like, you're a loser, but it was good. You yeah. Do vampires get to you then the teeth? It was the multiple rows of uh, teeth that came uh, out. I didn't know I had like a multi teeth phobia, but apparently I do. <laughs> One row of teeth I can handle. Tears did, of teeth. Did you uh, read a lot of Stephen King? Because oh, I love Stephen King so much. 100%. He's my favorite. And speaking of inappropriate, like we had almost all his books in my house growing up. And I don't know who was reading them because my parents aren't cool. And like, <laughs> we, but like, I don't know if they were get. We had The Shining and I started reading that at a very young age. And I remember it was like, yeah, it was incredible. Speaking of yeah, good movies. Yeah. You know, it's a really good book. It's Cujo. Yep. Yeah. I read Pet that one a long time ago. I, would yeah. read, I think it's my favorite book by him. It's yeah. Incredible. Pet Cemetery is a great book. You know, he doesn't remember yeah. writing Cujo. He was like in a blackout, I think. Specifically, that's like the one book where it's like blackout. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a masterpiece, it I think. Yeah, I wish I could write like that one. Gag. Anne Rice in Interview with the Vampire wasn't she? Oh, did I mean, she say that too? Yeah, well, I'm not. Maybe not blacked out, but she was. What was she? I don't remember. She was drinking or taking drugs, but because she was going through this huge depression after losing a child. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, I just. I, I didn't that, know that. Yeah, it's really heavy, and so that book is just about her. And that's why all the stuff about the little girl is all oh, super heavy. Wow. Yeah. So it was just like she wrote that book in this emotional exercising of feelings. Wow. Uh, now I see it so different now that yeah, I know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you seen Stephen King's Castle Rock show? No. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. Her's good. Her's good. Is it one of those Netflix things where you can watch the entire Ooh. episode, like the whole Ooh. thing now? Ooh. I think so. I think it's week it. by week. Yeah. How but many they might all be out so by now. I think maybe two or three. I keep hearing about it. We should check it out. Because Bill's... Sarsgaard. He's in it too. Every book yeah. Stephen King's ever written, except I don't see all his movies, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Confession. <laughs> I love Stephen King. You know, he directed only one of them, though, right? Maximum uh, Overdrive. Overdrive. Yeah. Oh, and the only time he yeah. ever directed, which is yeah. why I always say Paradise is my Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> I'm never doing it again. There's nothing uh, wrong with that movie. Oh, it's so bad. Um, oh, please. But Maximum Overdrive is also has a lot to recommend it, though. I mean, mm. you guys are like, no. <laughs> I, personally, I personally think it's I just, entertaining. I remember the ad for it. There's Stephen King in the ad saying, if you if you want some, to do something right, no. do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, hi, I'm then, Stephen yeah. King. And it's like, this is already a problem. It's terrible. Yeah. Oh, so bad. Yeah. But I mean, it lowers your expectations to the perfect level. <laughs> but wait, didn't he kind of do, he didn't direct the Shining miniseries, did he? I know he was like very involved no, in it. No, he was very involved. Because he didn't care for the Kubrick movie, right. which is, I this yeah, he thought yeah. he hated the Kubrick, yeah. hated the Kubrick yeah. movie. Yeah. Kubrick changed some things. Yeah, almost everything. And I don't think he liked Jack Nicholson right? as, a, oh. as a human. All right, I'm going <laughs> to no, say no, something no, controversial. As, 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 as oh, Jack, as Jack <laughs> Torrance. Bring it. Yeah. I did That's rewatch The Shining. I've seen The Shining a million times, but I watched it again recently, and I I noticed something about Jack Nicholson's performance, which I think maybe could have led Stephen King to this conclusion. He's crazy from the very first scene. Uh, yeah, There's yeah. no build. Yeah. He's right. scary in the car on the way there. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, maybe that's what he has a problem with. Because you're just like, oh, this guy's psychotic. He's going to murder his entire family before anything starts. Yeah, that might he just be goes from problem. 9 to yeah. 10. I think it is. And I, and I love Jack Nicholson in that movie. But I think Me that's too. Stephen King's problem. Well, if you look at, because Stephen Weber is the guy in the miniseries. So if that's what Stephen King thinks that Jack Torrance is, right. then I could see him not liking <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Uh, what's your favorite Stephen King movie? Carrie, for Sure, Carrie. Yeah. But um, I love Misery. Misery, Misery, Misery. Yeah. Misery was yeah. good. Fantastic. 
Stand By Me. Yep. Creep Show is obviously kind of Creep Show was one of those movies that really Creep Show's yeah. amazing. Really yeah. Turn it into a TV series. I mean, it'll never be as good as the film. I yeah. grew up. I watched that one over and over again too. What's your favorite segment of Creep Show? Oh one and God. two. One and two. Two the lake for sure. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. But, yeah. yeah that's amazing. It has boobs. Um, but <laughs> right. One the be- I mean, I want my cake is incredible. Yeah. And yeah. but so is the Leslie Nielsen being a bad guy with the swamp creatures. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. They're all good. <laughs> Stephen King is Jordy Verrill or whatever. Not good. The you one know, like with the, oh, the yeah. meteor. No, yeah. you're right, right. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. But yeah. I you still watch a, it. A good Stephen King movie that's overlooked is The Mist. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah. I haven't that seen it. That one's so dark. Yeah, yeah it's totally. Dark. Was, was it a TV movie? movie? The ending's No, no, it's in the theater. Sad, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Andre Brower. <laughs> yeah. That ending's brutal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. It was different from the book, too, right? Yeah. 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 Back to Jennifer's body for a second. Yeah, sorry. And teeth, right? With <laughs> Jennifer's mouth stretching out and everything. Yeah. And you got to work with, it was Can Be Effects did all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a fan of 80s horror, Evil Dead and did you, did you go and check out all the shit when oh, they were doing that? Oh, are you that kidding and, me? Yeah, yeah. I love Greg Nicotero. I was watching uh, the Tales from the Dark Side movie with my son the other day. I'm yeah. a great mom. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, at the beginning, they were like, KMB, and I was like, KMB, Marcello. I was like, that's my son. I was like, that's where it's at. And I was like, someday I'm going to show you Jennifer's body. And he was like, stop talking. Like, he's not interested remotely in like the stuff that I'm sharing with him. Really? Like, he's just like, yeah, I wish I could get him into it, but he's not appreciative. <laughs> but, maybe, maybe not yet. You're planting the seeds. I know, I'm too yeah, early. Or you got to do that reverse psychology thing don't watch those movies they suck that's probably it See? it's like I'm See? encouraging it right? yep. if I was like you yep. are not to watch any of right. those films they are of the devil but yeah no that was super cool you know my memory of Jennifer's body was like <laughs> this poor girl that had to wear like the gigantic Jennifer mouth yeah. <laughs> it wasn't right. Megan Fox and I just remember seeing her sitting around on set all the time like with this gigantic <laughs> <laughs> prosthetic hanging open fangs like just like can't can't do anything <laughs> looks ridiculous yeah the inside's like green or something for the effect it was just like so bizarre did you keep <laughs> any props from the movie oh, I was just trying to think of this because if I had them I'd bring them here where they would find yes. like a good home and not like mold in the garage don't forget yeah. that sentiment <laughs> well, now that I'm thinking about it I'm like what did I keep from that movie well there's a couple cool things I can think of yeah a box uh, cutter a box cutter I don't have the box cutter a da- the, the knife the ceremonial you know what made knife? me so mad about the box cutter thing can I say something yeah. yeah yeah. there was some critic who said that he thought it was like a tasteless joke about 9-11 it had nothing to do what? with because it was a box cutter no. I was wow. like no it was because she's. it's a box it's a vagina joke yeah right, right. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> it was about genital wow. mutilation. They missed yeah, the joke. They that really joke. Made, it makes me so angry. Like, if I do something offensive, like, I'll take it and I'll take the blame and, like, I'll admit it and right. I'll own it. But when you don't do something offensive and you're accused of it, that's crazy, Mike. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry. It's annoying. But yeah, the, the box cutter, the dagger. A um, necklace? Necklace. The BFF necklace. I one don't of the have necklaces. any of this stuff. I'm always afraid to ask for stuff. Really? Yeah. You wrote the movie. Oh, yeah, I'm the writer. <laughs> they don't care about me. But it won't be possible without you. They don't, nobody has gotten that information. That's funny. Okay, well, I have a, a quick story, to, not to beat Jennifer's body to death. Beat it to death. But hold on, hold on. Uh, it's in the, in the closet. Oh, this is a good story. Good story. Uh-oh. It's a recent story, too, which is weird. 
So Trevor's going in our closet in the studio. I <gasps> knew it. No way. <laughs> oh. So describe what so, describe what yeah, Trevor's describe what I'm pulling out. I here. know this is Jennifer's prom dress. Yeah, or it's not the prom, right? It's like the I have not seen this movie in a decade. I feel terrible. Yeah, this uh, is the this winter is, dance. Is yeah, that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, and that is the dress that she's wearing in the infamous pool scene. That's right. It's probably like a size double zero. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't believe you have it. I'm like actually like my heart is swelling with pride and happiness. You know what? The, the weird thing is, this came up. This is a weird story. It's got a little wardrobe tag on Jennifer number three, bloodied scene ninety one, no oh. harness, Megan Fox, demon Jennifer. Um, <laughs> That's, what, that's about right. The weird thing is, this came in, like, we collect horror props. Lauren and I collect horror props. It just came out of nowhere. I was looking. Was yeah, where did you find it? Tell me. I ended up buying it out of the trunk <laughs> of a dude's car in a Denny's parking lot in the desert. Wow. <laughs> that's what? creepy. That's no. creepy. Who was somehow, the dude? A collector? Some, somehow it ended up <laughs> in this guy. Quote unquote collector. Right. Next to, uh, next to one of Michael Jackson's old jackets and wow. a, b- a bottle of Windex. He moved the bottle what? of Windex. What? He moved the bottle of Windex <laughs> and there was the Jennifer. Yeah, yeah. It was that screen used Windex. And there was the dress. Just wow. literally. This is like I'm weeks so ago. It's, here. it's crazy. Yeah. Well, thank you. It makes me really happy. We're going to get it framed. It's gonna look amazing. It's gonna oh, look that's awesome. rad. Yeah, it's such an interesting like it's, subculture. It's you know? a very, it's very interesting. Yeah. What's like, the weirdest thing you have? Good, good question. That's a good question. The ball cutters. The ball cutters from the movie oh. Planet Terror. The Grindhouse. Did <laughs> yeah, you see yeah. Grindhouse? Yeah, yeah. The uh, testicle extractor and the and the ball cutter. Those things. Stuff. Rose McGowan's stump leg before they put the machine gun on her leg. How'd you guys come to that? Stuff. I think auction. Some of that was auction, and then yeah, yeah, some of it gets passed around private collectors. It's it's a weird little. There should be a, like a movie or documentary about that. Yeah, it really should. Sounds like a like a CRISPR guest movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. Do, do you guys have any rivals, like prop rivals? <laughs> there are, there yes. are. Yeah, yes. that exists. Every single subculture has warring factions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we learned this from King of Kong. It's true, though. Like I used to be super, super, duper crazy into roller coasters. I would travel all around riding them and like logging the rides. I know I'm nuts. Oh, wow. And Gosh. like, but there are like rival roller coaster gangs. Very no. harmless, but it's like, yeah, where there's like tension between people How because it's like, well, he got this very rare. They call them credits when you get a roller coaster. Well, he got a very rare credit in Switzerland. And when I went there, it was broken down and I don't have the credit. And like, yeah, weird. Wow. How do they identify oh, themselves as, you know, roller coaster? There's different game? clubs. <laughs> like, is you it like, like Disneyland with, with the jackets? jackets? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 What's the greatest of all the roller coasters? The greatest of all the roller coasters. <laughs> oh, man. That's a really good question. It's, I mean, do you really want to know this? this For is sure. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite is in New Jersey. It's called El Toro. It's just a big wooden roller coaster, and they used lasers to cut the pieces, so it's an incredibly smooth ride as opposed to... Oh, wow. You know, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's a more of a classic ride. It's a classic ride, but with modern tech. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, which would be my two favorite kind. <laughs> 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 yeah. wanted to ask you a bit about music, because you are very musical. Do you yeah. write that in to your movies, like either the places where there's such an important part of the scene? Do you write that in? Yeah, I've been really fortunate in that way, because usually as a screenwriter, if you put music in the script, they ask you not to 
to do that because the director is always going to put their own stuff in there. But I've collaborated with people that are like very cool and very generous and say, oh, I'll put a song directly in there. And they'll say, I've never heard this song before. They'll Like in Telly, for instance, there's this uh, Jayhawk song called Blue that you hear a couple times in the movie. And that mm-hmm. was a favorite of mine. And I had put it in the script and the director was like, I love it. Let's do it. So <sighs> that doesn't typically happen to screenwriters. I just have nice friends. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's funny, though. It's like not always like the music in Juno is very kind of like twee and like that's kind of not my vibe and I wanted I had like pitched all this like really heavy music for that movie really? and like can you imagine how weird it would have been <laughs> it would have been really cool yeah maybe I don't know but like yeah, it was like no we're not gonna have like a soundtrack by Slade <laughs> like, but it was uh, and you're obsessed with Frank Oz's Little Shop of Horrors correct oh my god talk about wearing a movie out they're remaking it and that's one of those things where I'm already mad I'm like, why am I not doing this like I'll play the fucking plant like, <laughs> I am so into Little Shop of Horrors and like talk about movies that had dark endings to begin with like right, initially yeah, like yeah. Audrey 2 was supposed to take over the whole world and like kill everybody I loved that one and I still love musicals so that was like a combination of the two things that I love like musicals you think about and, writing more musicals you um, wrote one right yeah, yeah. weirdly enough I, I just wrote one that ran in Boston and closed like a week ago and we're trying to take it to Broadway right now oh, so nice. it's really fun yeah not it, scary but well, it is kind of scary if you think With Alanis Morissette, scary. right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Alanis did all the music. It was a dream come true. Like, because I don't have any particular musical talent. So <laughs> to be around people that do and to get to piggyback onto their talent and ride their coattails to Broadway is cool. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. It's cool. And what about the Sweet Valley High music? Uh, You're obsessed with Sweet Valley High. <laughs> I love Sweet Valley High. <laughs> and that was such a passion project. And this guy, Tom Kitt, who actually wound up being the music director for the play that I just did he wrote all these um he's like he's a fucking like Tom K has like a Pulitzer Prize he has ton- like he's a genius and he wrote all these songs about Sweet Valley that are insane wow. and we put on a whole show for Universal where we brought in like actors they sang all the songs they did a live read of the script and Universal was like what the fuck did we just watch? <laughs> it was like dead. <laughs> yeah, no, so, and that was a long time ago. So I don't think it's ever coming back. Oh, I know. Yeah. That yeah. makes me sad. Yeah, it's like, it was my favorite thing ever. Did you watch the TV series? Totally. Really, yeah, this was going to be it? better. <laughs> was it like more based on the books? Or was it like, did you pick a certain Sweet Valley story that you really yes. loved? It was based on the books and it was really tongue in cheek. Like kind of making fun of the whole conceit of Sweet Valley. Because like one series of films that I loved is kind of a weird reference but I loved the Brady Bunch movie oh, the way oh, yeah. they took they managed to like take the sort of Brady Bunch iconography in the world and like make fun of it while paying homage to it yeah. that's what I was trying to do with Sweet Valley so there was a, a famous book in the series where Elizabeth who was the good twin fell off her boyfriend's motorcycle and started acting like a huge like slut from hell <laughs> and like because that's what happens and uh, so that was what it was about and she just she starts acting like a just she's terrible and her twin sister who's the bad girl is like wait a minute I'm the whore from hell and like she has like this huge identity crisis because she's not the bad twin anymore and we had like songs about comas and like being a whore and like it was great what was the musical wow. style was it just like classic Broadway really yes like That's suddenly so... more like yeah <laughs> that is... do you remember the TV show rags to riches oh my god <laughs> oh, shit. listen my, my husband and I still talk about this show I would say really? probably once a month it comes up in oh house. my yeah, god it was awesome and it only ran for like six episodes yeah I think it was like yeah, yeah it's a one season or whatever Joe Bologna is the dad mm-hmm. um I feel like somebody on that show went 
went on to do other stuff. Well, the rest of them vanished. One girl, and the reason I also bring up Little Shop of Horrors, I remember I was obsessed with Rags to Riches. I went and saw Little Shop of Horrors, the Frank Oz version. One, the, the little choir, the doo-wop group that sings yeah. in between. One of the the lead oh. singer was one of the girls that he adopted it on Rags to Riches. It wasn't Tisha Campbell, was it? Yeah, it was. Oh, who then went was on Martin. And yeah, like, that's exactly. What I'm yeah, that's the, who it was. The rest of them you never saw again. I mean, <laughs> it's for those who haven't seen Rags to Riches, which would be 99% of the population. Right. It was a very short-lived 80s musical series. It's creepy in retrospect about like a single guy who adopts like six female young orphans <laughs> who are like attractive teens. <laughs> and they, they like are constantly breaking out into song. Yeah, it's That's so, funny. it's the most random <laughs> awesome thing ever. Yeah, I mean, it's like the most beautiful stuff just dies on the vine. It doesn't last long. Oh, but, yeah. Well, you keep the flame alive. I That's know. what's important. I you should reboot that. You really should. Yeah. All the networks, well, That's all they want now is reboot. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine going in there and pitching the reboot of Rags to fucking Riches? They'd be like, it didn't work the first time. <laughs> well, Glee works. And it's basically, you know what I mean? You could say it's it's Glee meets Annie. That would have been the time to do it when Glee was on the Yeah, it would have been. Oh, my God, right? You know, guys, it's like bringing it back to the topic, I have gone out trying to pitch a Jennifer's Body TV show. And my argument is that the Buffy movie didn't make money and then was an extremely yeah. successful show. Yeah. No one will hear it. Wow. Really? Yeah. Why do you think? Is it just the climate or like, you know? No, I, I think like... they're like the movie flopped. So why would we want to make a television show of it? Which well, is why I have my Buffy example in my pocket. Yeah. But nobody... yeah. Honestly, I have been reading more articles about Jennifer's body in the past two years than articles that had come out around the film's release. And people are kind of saying this movie is more relevant now than it even was when it came out. It was way ahead of its time. Uh... Jennifer checked is a hero for the Me Too movement. <laughs> you know, and honestly, that's yeah. been said. Like, th- yeah. there was an article that just came out because I think it just started streaming on HBO or something. Some, so it's been yeah. it's yeah. been reintroduced into the conversation. I would think, like... I gotta check this out. That's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> the climate kind of calls. I feel like almost Jennifer's body wasn't at the right time almost a little bit. Or maybe it was at the right time and that's why we are now or I feel like it's really at the right time. I feel like they're also like it was it came out at a weird time where in, just from a practical standpoint like there was like a moment there where like now we have this like totally new world of like streaming services and like different buyers for stuff. And at the time it was like we were still in kind of that old model of theatrical release and then it goes to DVD. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a movie like that might have had an easier time finding an audience now. You know if it was like a Netflix movie or something. I don't know. We can only dream and hope. That. I, <laughs> I really, really appreciate all the nice things you guys have said about it. Oh. Like, that's really, really. Hey, we're fans. Warms my heart. Thank you. Yeah. What was your involvement with the Evil Dead remake? So minimal. Really? I can't believe it was even publicized. It was like blown up. That's what right? was so it was crazy. like practically like Diablo Cody's Evil so, Dead. It was so weird and honestly so upsetting to me because like I would Honestly, I would never deign to write evil. Like I like that's like sacred territory to me. I got a call from Sam Raimi. Obviously, I'm gonna pick up. That's and awesome. And he was like, <laughs> "Would you be willing?" And I did. He asked me to do something that I do on a lot of movies, where it's uncredited, and I go in and I take. Usually, it's an underwritten female character, and I try to make her like a little more interesting. It usually takes like two weeks. It's not a big deal. It's not publicized. I'm not credited, and it's just a side gig, basically. And so I was like, "Of course!" Like I love like Sam. Like even Evil Dead, definitely. And I had no idea that they were going to like tell people I was like writing it. So I worked on it for two weeks. That was it. That's it. Betty Alvarez did a really good job on that script. It was a great great fucking movie. It's a great (laughs) movie too. So I had very little like work to do. Was it for the Jane Levy character? Yeah, because... 
because Fetty is like, he's not American. Uh, no, it's Uruguay. Uruguay, I yeah. Think. And he's a dude. He was just sure. like, you know, very humbly, like, it's helpful to when you're writing a character of an American woman who's kind of your protagonist here to have somebody who's an American woman come in and like, you know, make it sound authentic yeah. when she's speaking. Yeah. So that was all I did. Yeah, I'm sure you got to go to some cool evil dead parties or something, maybe. I don't even think I got invited to the premiere. Oh, yeah. Like that's the life of a writer, man. I don't right. Yeah. Any more horror films? I mean, you, you I have love to. horror. You I have to. It. Yes, please. I have to. I know. I got put off of it because the problem with this business is, you know, if you haven't proven yourself in an area, which financially it didn't work out, they're like, you know, maybe you should stay away from horror. You know, that kind of thing. Right. Like, like, like pigeonhole. Exactly. Right? So it's like, it would be an absolute dream to do it again. Well, this is where that Evil Dead publicity can work to your benefit. <laughs> you, know, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> you guys do know I created yeah. the Evil Dead series, right? <laughs> yeah. I should take credit for that. <laughs> Spin it somehow that yeah. Jennifer Check is somehow associated with the Necronomicon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's the series. There you go. Right? There you go. No, it seems like with the uh, success of Hereditary, you know, you write such great drama that if you spin it now towards horror, you know, I could see that just being the next. I mean, there's definitely like horror is an easy thing to sell because it's like the one thing that is routinely still getting people out of their houses that and comic book movies. So Mm -hmm. it's like, yes, it's so funny. I keep hearing like (laughs) people keep trying to write another get out, but it'll be like, it's get out, but for women or it's get out, but for like redheads or like, new pitch that's just everywhere it's like it's like i think there's only one get out guys but like yeah. tully is a is a horror film i find big time I said, I, I, yesterday i did a q a about the movie and someone said what genre would you put this in and i said body horror oh yeah i said it's like cronenberg mm. yeah it's a really upsetting movie it's hilarious to me that they marketed it as like a mother's day comedy. oh my god <laughs> i mean yeah i'd be we, you know, we've been through it four times as well and when i watched I can't it believe i you thought four it, it's oh my great god. like i said it's like i just I joked, but it's not. It's like a documentary. There are scenes in that movie that are more realistic than any other depiction of having kids that I've ever seen. I mean, Lauren, you experienced it. I watched you experience it. Yeah, like the breast pump and the baby screaming. Mm. I was just like, oh my gosh, yeah, it that, brought me back. The milk spilling over is a horror movie for oh sure. Oh my gosh, liquid <laughs> like, gold. That's a lot of work. You know what? I have a ton of expired breast milk and I'm so sad so I took it and I got jewelry made with my breast milk. Have you heard about That's this? beautiful. No. So it's right here. Here's one of them. That's but so this, cool. So I always have it. Oh. There's literally a lady who cooks breast milk yeah. in her home with a mask and everything and it makes jewelry out of breast milk. I never had enough to have it left over for accessories. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so hard to get it out. Did you base anything on personal experiences or did you just make up that universe for the movie? Just the, the experiences themselves? Sir, the motherhood stuff is like 100% percent based in my life the mm. marriage stuff i had to make up because my actual marriage is like really nice and boring in that way like, <laughs> nice mar- like nice marriages aren't cinematic so i was like i'll make the husband a ne'er-do-well and my husband's like okay everybody's gonna think this is me yeah exactly like, <laughs> like, he throws away his yeah. playstation it's, it's, yeah he's like i don't even like he doesn't even play video games so but yeah so of course you know that assumption will be made it wouldn't be an interesting film if the husband was like super supportive and actually did more of the stuff but the experience of being like overwhelmed and like run ragged by three kids. That's my reality. And the sleep really. deprivation when yep. you bring home a newborn oh, is is like the next level of That's hell. why I can't believe you've done it four times because three was like, I was done. I think your mind purposely forgets the bad stuff. Yeah. It plays tricks on you. 
Well, yeah, if you've but, done it three times, still, I mean, that's th- true. Three's a that's shit. That's still load. insanity. <laughs> that's still repeating uh, things, and yeah. But yeah, we decided to go that route after I think the second one, and we knew it was super fucking expensive. But we remembered how fucking hard and, and crazy it is that we would do anything. I mean, it costs a shit ton, right? But you put that shit on, do whatever it it's fucking so, takes. It's so <laughs> outrageously expensive, and I didn't do it with my first two either because I was like, "This is frivolous, L.A. bullshit." Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, it's like. <laughs> Life-changing. That's why yeah. I wrote the movie. Yeah. I had this woman named Margie who was like showing up at my house helping me with my third, and I was like, oh, this is like, I love Margie so much, I need to write a movie about like, yeah. <laughs> like, my, my, like I've never loved anybody more in my life. No, wait, did you write that with Mackenzie Davis in mind? No. Because, man, I love her, especially uh, from uh, Halt and Catch Fire. Isn't she awesome? Yeah. God, I didn't great. know anything about her. And then, like, it's also kind of hard to find someone, spoiler alert, who can play like a convincing, like version of Charlize yep. Theron because yep. Charlize is an alien. That's who's, right. Like perfect and six feet tall and <laughs> Mackenzie is too so it like works. Yep. Wait, did you keep any props from Juno? <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple good ones. I have the pregnancy test, the, oh, the box wow. from and I also have my favorite. I have the letter that Jennifer Garner's character has framed in her house at the end. That's what's Juno saying like Basically, Aww. like, I want to continue with the adoption. Right. That's so amazing. We have that in our house, yeah. Do you have the hamburger phone? I read that was yours. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do, but it was always mine. I still have that one. Gosh, I don't know what else I have. I definitely kept more stuff from that movie because I was, like, so excited. And I was, I'm never going to make a movie again. They're going to kick me out. That's amazing. I know Lauren's like, okay, I'm trying to think of what to offer. <laughs> 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 it's her first movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm backing off. <laughs> 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 Write more horror, please. I will. Yes. Thank you. I'm yes. glad that you yes. want yes. another horror movie out of me because oh, man. I, I, sure. no, I, it's just like, that was painful to, to <laughs> yeah. try something that I, meant a lot to me and have it, you know, not work out. Well, especially when it turned out, I mean, it seems like it turned out almost exactly how you envisioned it. You teamed up with a director you loved and they brought your vision to life. Karin, you did it. I was happy. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, the people did not agree. Well, we need more Diablo Cody horror. Well, okay. Yes, we do. Yes, Thank we you. do. Thank you, Boo Thank you so much. Thank you. That was awesome. (laughs) Plus, Freddy's got a killer contest under his hat that's guaranteed to cause an Elm Street traffic jam in your store. Announcing Freddy's Be In My Nightmare Sweepstakes. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 21. Special thanks to our guest, Diablo Cody. Her latest film, Tully, available everywhere now. And if you haven't seen Jennifer's body, you gotta make it happen. If you get a sec, we'd love if you rate and give a quick review of the show on iTunes. It helps spread the word. It helps us continue to bring you great guests in horror madness. Till next time, Trevor for the Boo Crew saying, see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo The Boo Crew is Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. Totally evil. They're basically like agents of Satan with really awesome haircuts.